It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Cleverly for sharing up the Bellator. And Defoe all the way. and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. You can follow the show across a variety of different platforms. We are on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. You can also find us on Facebook and also not forgetting Instagram. On this Last Word on Spurs, we'll be looking back at the thriller at Anfield on Sunday. We'll be taking a host of questions for tonight's panel and looking ahead to Newport County on Wednesday and also briefly touching upon the North London Derby. Tonight, I've got some fairly esteemed guests to dissect what was an incredible game at Anfield. I'm not sure we're going to get it done in an hour, but we'll try. First up, we've got Jason McGovern back on the show. Jason, how are you? Very good, mate. I've probably smiled as much today as Deli Ali does on video. <laughs> hmm. I thought we nearly got away with it, Jason. Just a minute in and you're at it already. Joining, <laughs> joining Jason tonight. Delighted to say we've got Frankie Major back on the show. Frank, how are you? All good, thanks. Uh, well... Recovering after yesterday's exhausting 90 minutes, but um, apart from that, all good. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, Frank, like I said to you off air, I was thinking of you at 2-1 thinking, I hope, you, I hope you're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, I was I was nearly, I was hanging on, but uh, yeah, uh, we got there in the end, we got our point, which we, we deserved at an absolute minimum, in my opinion, so uh, 
Yeah, same me, you know, the anxiety and the heart attacks. I bet, I bet. Well, it's going to be a fun hour in store, it really is. And finally, last, but say not least, this has been a guy I've been looking to get on this show for God knows how long. A very, very late January, you'd even say February signing. We've got what I would say the voice of reason on Twitter. Paul O'Keefe joins us. Paul, how are you? Yeah, I'm really well, thanks, guys. Lovely. Well, we're really excited to have your thoughts, Paul, in the next hour. Great to have a debutant on the show. I tell you what, Paul, should I start with you then, being the debutant? I mean, Paul, 24 hours on, we're recording. I haven't really caught my breath. I mean, what a game. Like Frankie said, I mean, I think it's fair to say we deserve that equaliser at the death. I mean, the character shown by Spurs to come back again from adversity. What did you make, Paul, of that game? Well, I don't even know where you, where do you start with it. I mean, <laughs> The first half, let's be honest, was abysmal. We were awful first half. Um, too narrow. Started with this weird diamond format. And yet he picked the same team, which you would then think you'd play the same tactics. Um, and then the second half, it, well, it was just, just ridiculous. I mean, we, we just looked a completely different outfit. We went back to the 4-2-3-1. Delhi switched. And all of a sudden, we were absolutely battering them to be honest mm. and then of course you got the emotion of the last 10 minutes where it was just oh, I mean if anything sums up being a Spurs fan from when Harry misses the Liverpool scoring I mean that just about sums it up doesn't it yeah. you can't get any more Spursy than that it was crazy <laughs> I mean it was Paul let me ask you I mean Pochettino was adamant post-match it was two points dropped is that how you see it I mean but bearing in mind the you know, euphoria of getting back into that game yeah. is that still a point gained in your opinion I think initially, when when the final whistle goes, you, it almost felt like we won the game. But then, when you actually sit and reflect, you think to yourself, "That was a, an opportunity missed in a way." But that game had everything, didn't it? And uh, you'd, you'd be hard pressed to really criticise the way we performed that second half, and really a bit unlucky in the end to only get a point because it was just we were we were fantastic second half. Yeah, it was fantastic. You can't fault that. I mean, Frankie, coming round to you, look, there's been a lot of people out there, and including us on this podcast, you know, we've criticised Pochettino in terms of his substitutions. But to be fair, Frankie, in the end, I mean, it was a great day for him in terms of his subs. Wanyama scoring that first equaliser, and then Lamella winning that second penalty, while Lorente was the one that fit the ball onto him. I mean, is it fair to say who says Pochettino doesn't change games, Frank? How did you see it? Well, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm a massive Pochettino fan like we all are. And mm. I think what he's done for our football club is amazing. But there is one criticism that I would have of him. It is sometimes he's a bit backward in coming forward with his subs. He waits sometimes until too late in the game to make changes. But I think he took control at Liverpool. He addressed what was happening on the pitch very, very well. The changes were all correct. And um, he got it spot on. He got us back in the game. And ultimately, you know, for, you look at the context of the game and how it panned out, very unlucky not to win. Um, you bet your house on Harry Kane burying that penalty. And with our game management and experience, if he scores that penalty, we see the game out. I think we all know that. Mm. So massive, massive respect to Pochettino. He, you know, he addressed the problems on the pitch. The subs all worked and he got, got, got his point at Enfield. So it's not a bad result. Um, on reflection, I agree with Paul. Due to the fact we had the penalty, when we had the penalty, you'd say you're a bit disappointed. But for us to go to Anfield, start so badly and come back into the game as we did and play as we did in the second half, you've got to give the team credit and the manager credit. You have to. Yeah, I mean, it's, do you reckon then, to sum it up, Frank, do you think it's a case of first half got the tactics completely wrong, second half deserves all the credit for changing the game? 
Yeah, I think he set up wrong. I think Paul's right there as well. The diamond formation, it worked away in Madrid. It didn't work at Liverpool. He switched it round, which is fair enough. He, he addressed his mistake. But also, you've got to give credit to the players as well because they were still the same players um, that started the second half mm. on the pitch, obviously, until the substitutions. So, it's just a shame. And if there's one criticism, it's we do tend to start these big away games sometimes on the back foot and you know we, we shoot ourselves in the foot. Few silly mistakes, but again, a comeback like that and a second half performance like that at a ground like Anfield, where we're historically terrible. Let's be honest. Yeah, that's true. Um, mm. Credit to the team. Um, a r- real credit to the players and the manager. Yeah, agree. Jay, let's bring you in then. Let's get your verdict on this one. How did you see this game? It was like Paul and Frankie have said, topsy turvy. And listen, it's typical Tottenham. We nearly snatched defeat from the draws of victory. I mean, in the end, Jace, do you think we've got to settle for a point? I think you've probably got to settle for it. We just went through every emotion over the the whole 90 minutes, didn't we? You just, there was anger at conceding such a stupid goal just two minutes in. The, the frustration at the first half, then the, the Wanyama goal. You know, you, you're literally out of your seats, aren't you? What a fantastic hit from Wanyama. Then when Kane gets it, you're expecting us to win the game. You're gutted when he misses. Then you're completely on the floor when Salah scores in despair. And then, then as a as a boy say, it feels like you've then got a win when you then go and equalise. I suppose if I looked at it, I, I think you know from the moment Kane steps up with the first penalty, you you expect us to you expect him to score and, and we win the game. But I suppose in fairness, even in that first half, if Liverpool had gone in half time two nil up or something, we wouldn't have really had too many complaints. And then would we have got would we have got a win from the game? So I suppose a point at the end of the day is is what you, you have to take from the game. And whether you deserve it or not, that's, that's the result. So you have to, you have to move on. But that, it was a massive game for us to get something from because obviously otherwise Liverpool are, are five points clear and, yep. and, and we really are chasing a, a top four place then. Whereas now it's, it's very much achievable for us still. So a, a, a great bottle for Kane to stand up and take that, that second penalty. The only thing I'd, I'd perhaps disagree with the other two boys and I didn't think we actually changed... That much at half-time, we continued to play out from the back. Liverpool tired. We just played better. And I think Pochettino said at half-time that he didn't change anything. He said, just keep playing the way you're playing. No real changes. And then, and Kane said in his after-match interview, we didn't really change anything tactically. I think it's just a case of we made better decisions. We played the ball better. And Liverpool noticeably really tired. And, um, you know, the, the tactics of playing the ball out from the... Well, I think... We'll cover that later on. But I didn't think we actually changed that much. It was just a case of we did to them in the second half the things that they did to us in that first half. Yeah, but I hope that answers Danny Walsh's question. What did change from the first and second half? Paul, do you want to come in there? Well, there was a couple of subtle changes. Mm. Which um, What he done is he moved Ali back to his favourite 10 role. Right. And he pushed some wide. And all of a sudden, Ali, who'd been far too deep in the first half, was having more of an effect on the game. And we just looked more comfortable with that. And like you said, we did step up. We, we definitely stepped up. We were far, far better in the second half. But everyone just seemed to know what they were doing a bit more, if you know what I mean. Mm. We just seemed to, um, as we were attacking the cop end, all of a sudden, we actually looked like we were going forward with a purpose, whereas first half we were a little bit lost. Yeah. 
I mean, it was at the moment. I mean, you've got to say that first half, we looked all over the shop. I mean, topsy-turvy isn't the word to cover it. Paul, let me ask you, I mean, and let's remind listeners out there, an unchanged lineup from the Spurs side that wiped the floor with Man United on Wednesday night. Um, with Aurea and Winks coming back into the squad after covering from injury. Many, Paul, listen, I know you're, a, in terms of you tell it as it is with Daniel Levy and the squad itself, many are quick to criticise our lack of options from the bench. However, looking at it going into that game, Paul, I mean, we were able to bring on the likes of Winks, Lamella, Lorente and dare I say Sissoko when we still have Rose, Aldevira and Amora to come into this squad is it fair to say Paul we're seeing a bit of depth now in terms of what we can bring off the bench? Yeah I think that's that's reasonable now I still think that I always have this feeling with Tottenham that they're always two players short mm. I, I, don't, I never get escape back it's always been the way for the last God knows how long <laughs> we always seem to get to a point and we don't quite press the button enough mm. Um, to be fair, this this year they've had a series of injuries which have caused major disruption in the squad, and some of the players that have come in have just not been up to it. I mean, obviously the likes of Enkudu. I mean, there was there was some benches that we fielded early in the season that we were never going to do anything from the bench, you know, and that that's always been a worry. Now, obviously, you've got the luxury of pretty much a fully fit squad, and all of a sudden. You know, we look a different outfit. You yeah, do. But mm. are, are we a couple short? Probably, yes. What? Yeah. Well, it, probably. you probably would argue he's not. But, Paul, if I asked you now, I mean, with the window closing, what else would you have liked to see Spurs do? Do you think we're still missing a central midfielder, for example, in this squad when you look at it? Yeah, I think I think that was that's pretty well documented, isn't it? Mm. We, we know. I mean, Dembele has managed, I think, he's either six or seven in a row, which for him is it's quite, quite yeah. Quite a feat, let's be honest. Mm. Uh, Harry Winks has had this niggling injury that he can't seem to shift. And we all know that Pochettino won't risk players if there's a slight doubt. So, yeah, I do think, I mean, it's fairly obvious that he could have done with a bit more strength in the middle there. Uh, yeah. dear, uh, Eric Dyer, I'm not quite sure what's going on with him lately. <laughs> he, he, ever since this talk of United in the summer, I don't know mm. whether that's but um, his performances have been below par, so I think. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. I'm going to bring it back around to you shortly, Paul, on Eric Dyer. But let me ask you, Frank. I mean, I think it's fair to say, Frank, and you correct me if you think I'm wrong. I mean, Eric Dyer looks a completely different player for me from the one we see at Wembley when he goes away from home. I mean, another, Frank, awful moment away at a top six side. We saw it against Liverpool on Sunday. We've seen him make the same mistakes, um, Frankie, away at Man United and away at City. I mean, can you put your finger... Frank, as to what's going on with Eric Dyer at times? It's got to be a mentality thing because, I mean, I, I get absolutely slaughtered for a tweet I put out mm. uh, during the Euros after that campaign where we finished third, mm. saying that this kid's got Barcelona or Real Madrid written all over him. <laughs> I felt that he could... No, I did. I felt, mm. felt that he looked a player of real quality, particularly in that season. Right. Since then, he, he has gone backwards. And... Listen, he has good games. I'm not saying he's necessarily a bad player, but there's something in that there, there is truth in the fact that since United, you know, sort of came in, and I know there's been documented disagreements on his position with the manager um, who thinks he's a centre back. He thinks he's a, a holding midfielder. Mm. I can't put my finger on it with Eric Dyer, but his performances, he's gone backwards since that Euros. He actually has, or, or if he's not quite gone backwards, he's stagnated. And, you know, you can see on my Twitter. I don't know what to do with him sometimes. And, and I'll be honest with you, if everyone's fit, he doesn't start. Um, right. I know he, he seems to be one of Pochi's favourites, but 
for me, if everyone is available, Eric Dyer doesn't start. And, well, and that's just my opinion. Yeah. Well, do you know what, Frankie? Graham Hooper at Cat Trust, he sends a question and he agrees with you. He says, how can Dyer get into this team ahead of Victor Wanyama? Seriously, Victor is a far superior player, in my opinion. I'm guessing, Frank, that's how you see it as well. Well, of course, but with Onyama, unfortunately, he hasn't hit the ground running since he's been back. Yeah. Potch has eased him in, which obviously after he's been out for a long time, so you don't want to sort of rush him back. But I think he'll he'll have his his confidence to be up after that wonder strike. I actually thought that strike aside, his passing was brilliant when he came on. Um, Even in the build-up to the goal, he clipped a little ball out to Ericsson, put the cross in, which was punched, and ultimately fell to him. Um, And I think his decision-making is better than Dyer's when it comes to passing. And in the middle of the park, that's what you need. So I completely agree that, yeah, um, Wanyama has to start over Dyer, uh, particularly now because he's got to be fully fit. Um, he's had his few warm-up games. As I said, he's back in um, confidence now or should be after the wonder strike. Um, and, you know, the way he performed last season, he's got to play. He's got to start for me. Yeah, wonderful. I think player. just... Go on, Jay. Just say, Ricky, I think mm. on that, uh, I mean, I said before the Man United game, I was concerned about... Uh, central midfield anyway so but without trying to 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 choose between the two of them i mean if, if you're sitting in pochettino's shoes and you're thinking when yama's only just coming back from injury and had an absolute stinker against newport yeah. and then eric dyer had an excellent game against manchester united and i'm picking a team for this weekend then it's pretty obvious that he's going to pick eric dyer in the long run when they're fit and they're both fully rhythm and if they both just played six games together then you have a genuine choice but I I totally understand I, I'd have, my preference for the Manchester United game was Wanyama over Eric Dyer mm, funny yep. enough but but I understand why Pochettino would have made that decision yesterday when he looked at the, the performances of Wanyama at Newport and Eric Dyer against Man United so you know I think that's why he's picked him and and he was probably right to pick him based on that on that principle well, let me ask you, Jason. I agree, I agree with yeah. that. I agree, agree with that. Yeah, I mean, let me yeah. ask you, Jason. Let me stick with you for a second. Andrew Richardson asks, is Dyer up to scratch moving forward? Squad player, yes. Starter, no. Is that how you see it, Jason? Or is it, again, dependent on our position we've got and former players? It's it's really tough, isn't it? Because I've seen Eric Dyer have some really good games and I've seen him have some, some stinkers, probably like probably like most players. But certainly in some big games, his, his decision-making is seems to be the problem. I mean, I, I accept it, it obviously doesn't help you get into a rhythm and form any consistency when you're playing some games in the back and then you're moved into midfield and then you go back into the back four and then it's a back five or it's three at the back and, you know, you're constantly changing. So that doesn't allow him to get into a rhythm. And we've even seen him, I think, going at right back once or twice this year again, haven't we, when others have had to go off. And I think Pochettino sees that he can switch around in-game easier with Eric Dyer than he can with Wanyama. And, and I'd understand that argument. But, but for me, the mistakes he makes aren't necessarily the positional ones. It's, it's just that lack of awareness sometimes where he seems to lose concentration or he's, he's, he doesn't seem focused on the game. And, and the back pass is hit without any thought of, of anyone being... Be- and Yeah, and I just think that's... that's that's the big problem with Eric Dari. He just can't get into a real period of consistency at the moment. And perhaps it would help, you know, when Toby's back and when Yama's back, that that we do see him in one position between now and the end of the season. And maybe that'll that'll help him. But it's a concern about Eric Dyer going forward. And I think probably if we we picked from a fully fit with everybody at their very best, he probably doesn't get in the starting lineup. But as I say, I'm, I'm not prepared to write Eric Dyer off. I think there's 
there's still a lot of football in Eric Dyer, and I'm sure when he gets his position sorted out and gets some consistency in his game, that we'll see a, an excellent Eric Dyer. I mean, we've seen an excellent Eric Dyer in the past for us. So, as I say, I'm, I'm loath to to um, to write him off and, and say he's peaked and he won't get better. But I think he just needs settling down into one position more than anything else. Yeah, well, let me bring it on to Paul. I mean, Paul, you mentioned there at the very start when you talk about Dyer that you feel the Man United talk may have gone to his head. I mean, Jenad Ilyas asked the question, happy with the result, but is there an underlying problem with Eric Dyer away from home? Is that how you see it, Paul? Is it more of a general thing rather than it just being the away form? Uh, it's such a tricky one, as, mm. as I say. Like, I mean, when he was at the Euros and when he came back from there, he was England's best player. Yep. And he came into the Spurs thing and he was absolutely sensational. And he looked a future Spurs and England captain. And then all of a sudden there's this talk of he's met Mourinho in the tunnel at Old Trafford. <laughs> he wanted to go there and the club blocked it and blah, blah, blah. And loads of rumours and God knows what actually went on. And since then, I don't know, he just seems to have been off the boil. And then he got a real opportunity because um, when Yama's injury, mm. meant that he was going to get starts. He was going to get games. And... Since then, he's played DM, played centre back, he's, he, and he can't seem, like the guy said, can't seem to find a position that everyone's agreed on. And whether that's affecting him or, or the mentality, or there is an underlying problem with that, then it's, it's a bit of a mystery, to be quite honest. I don't know. His form has been, well, poor, let's be honest, if we're going to be honest. Yeah. I don't so really can't understand. I just don't understand what's going on with him at the moment. No, I mean, fingers crossed, like Jason says, he rectifies it, because we know of Eric Dyer, there's definitely a player in there. Paul, let me ask you, summing up that first half then, would you go along the line to say that was a typical Tottenham performance in terms of, you know, being out full, out pressed and looking half asleep? I mean, defensively, Paul, we just looked all over the gaff, didn't we, in that, in that first half? Well, the frustrating part of it is, is you know what Liverpool are going to do. Mm. Yep. I mean, the team sort, I mean, you know, obviously... People better placed than us, but I know, as just a run-of-the-mill football fan, that Liverpool are going to come flying out of the traps at you. And that first 20 minutes, you just got to stay in the game. That first 20, 25 minutes, and we we looked like little lost boys out there at first in that first half. We were all over the show. As I say, we played too narrow. We were getting ripped down the flanks. And at half time, I did say the the only blessing. Positive to take from that first half is we're only one down. Mm. We're still in the game. Yeah. And Pochettino well, works some magic at half time. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm not quite sure what he said to them, but I, I, I would imagine he was raging. I thought chalk and cheese, Paul, wasn't that second half when you compare yeah. them? I'm, I'm hoping he tore a strip off them, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. And that second half performance suggested that it wasn't all, uh, you know, Pat's on the back at half-time. I think he was steaming into him, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. Completely agree with you. Um, Frank, let me ask you, bringing it round to you. I mean, I've got to say, in terms of Pochettino, kudos to him at half-time. Whatever he said, he'd done the trick. And I've got to say, just to kind of, from my perspective, a little bit of great man management. He saw that Sanchez was really having, a, you know, a, a dire game, pardon the pun. And he brought Lamella on. I mean, he clearly recognised, Frank, that, you know, the Colombian, he had a complete off day. And there's very few you could say, Frank, he's had this season, really, generally. 
I think he's had a couple of bad games on the TV and there's a general perception away from Spurs fans. I mean, you see it on Twitter that he's a bad player. He's not a bad player. He had an off day. Um, his touch wasn't there. His decision-making, I don't know why, it was really poor when he was brilliant against Man United. And yeah, the manager deserves massive, massive credit for you know, taking the centre-half off. Um, that going, was almost like going for the jugular, really, yeah, wasn't he? Was, he was yeah, a, a very attack-minded substitution. I know... And again, this brings us to what we were talking about, Eric Dyer. One of his main attributes is the fact that he can slot in at the back or move into midfield. And I think that earns him a lot of kudos with, with Poch and the way that his, his team's set up. So, brilliant, brilliant substitution. Um, couldn't, have, couldn't have gone better, really, could it? No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Sanchez, listen, he's 21 years old. He's had a couple of off days. He's going to get better. And, and believe you me, all the haters or, or people who criticise him, he's going to be some player. He's going yeah. to be a great, great player. Oh, when I mean, we've seen this season, bring it around to you, Jason. In the very early months we've seen of Sanchez, we knew he had a player. I mean, some people even go as far to compare him to Ledley King, you know, in terms of the way his composure is with the ball. I mean, let's hope he's got the career as Ledley, hopefully a better injury uh, yeah. records. But, I mean, Jace Sanchez, it was just an off day, wasn't it? Like we said, just one of those games. And apart from that, really, like Frankie said, on the, on the whole this season, there's not many times you can criticise him. I think he's he's had a, had a very good first season. I, I mean, the game at the Emirates, he was head and shoulders our best player. He had a, a fantastic game there. And I think it was a bit of a surprise that he didn't play the game at Old Trafford. But um, no, the early part, I think since that sending off at Watford, which was more or less, was it just a couple of weeks after Toby's injury, I think he probably hasn't looked quite as good in a in just a pairing with Jan as, as to when he had was part of a back three and he had Toby inside him as well. So, But, I mean, he's 21. He's a mm. centre-half. He's learning the game. He's new to the league. I don't think there's any real problems to, to worry about Sanchez other than, the, than, than purely getting to know the league, getting to know his opponents and, and things like that. And it's, it's just part of the settling-in process. And then, unfortunately, at centre-half, if you make a mistake... It'll invariably finish in a in a goal scoring chance, won't it? But I don't think there's there's too much to worry about with Sanchez, and I'd, I'd be surprised if he doesn't start against against Woolwich at the weekend. Yeah, I agree. Paul, let's get your thoughts on Sanchez. Then, I mean, like I've said, and I know you have as well. In terms of Pochettino at times, his substitutions you could criticise him on, but Paul was a bit of a masterstroke there. Brought Lamella on, who changed the game for Sanchez, who, like we said, wasn't having a particularly great game, Paul. Yeah, I mean, he was. Let's be honest, he was he was very poor first yeah. half. Um, he was just having one when he, it happens. Yeah. As the guy says, he's a young lad. He's he's going to improve. He's going to pick up. It's unfortunate for him that he was just cementing the partnership with um, Toby, and Toby is a massive, massive. Of course. Player. He would walk into any side of the Premier League. Yeah. In the world, in the world, the world. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, most definitely. He's absolute quality. He's had to deal with that. He's had to deal with different partners. He's had to deal with a new country and all, all the rest of it. And first Christmas had, as well, playing football. Yeah. He, yeah. he had a shaky start. The first few games, I was a little bit worried about him. But since he's come back from that suspension, other than yesterday, I, I think he's been superb, to be fair. And they, they've got a gem. Yeah, I agree. 40, 42 million, which for Tottenham is a hell of a lot. Well, yeah, this is it. Yeah. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, looks like a bargain. It does. And it's very rare you say that about a Tottenham player spending that kind of money on, but I agree. Let me ask you, Paul. Stuart M asked the question. Um, let's let's assume, Paul, that Toby's back and ready for the Arsenal game. Do you stick Sanchez in as a free with a Tottenham? Yes. You still, yeah? For you, that's a yeah. definite? Definitely with the full-backs. OK. We're gonna, they're going to be at us down the flanks. We need to be at them. Right. 
and we, in my opinion, anyway, we need to go at them and definitely, definitely pay three at the back, provided Toby's 100%. Yeah, we are going to come on to Arsenal in a bit, I promise. Sticking with you, Paul, I mean, Wanyama, this goal, I don't, <laughs> I'm a, it's such a shame we haven't got more time to cover it because it deserves so much coverage, but the only word I can use, Paul, to define that goal or redefine it was the word thunderbastard. I mean, what an absolute strike. I mean, I don't think any of us, Paul, saw that coming, bearing in mind Wanyama's goal oh, record. It was just... I mean, I love the guy, but that's <laughs> absolutely phenomenal. Was it hit it? so hard, it bounced back and came back to the 18-yard line. It was just a phenomenal strike. The whip, the swerve on it, the power. You put three for goalkeepers. If, if, if a goalkeeper <laughs> got a hand to it, it broke it. Well, it's funny you say that, I mean, because bring it round to you, Frankie. And Monroe at 1320 in Columbus asked the question, does Wanyam have to pay to repair the net at Anfield? What a strike, Frankie. Great strike. Um, and again, I, I liked his all-round play when he come mm. on. I mean, obviously yeah. the strike was the icing on the cake, but the fact that his decision-making and passing was good, um, even in the build-up to that goal, the little clip outside to Ericsson, ultimately put the cross in where it came back to him. And... Um, yeah, a good performance off the bench. Really, really encouraging because we need him back to his best. We all know that. Yeah. And I don't think he'll ever score a goal like that again. I mean, it had everything. It started outside the goal. It bent in. It had power. Um, it came at a good time for us with 10 minutes to go, particularly with the dominance that we'd had in that half. And, uh, yeah, it was absolutely buzzing to see. As I say, a player now will be very, very confident and he's a vital, vital player for us. Oh, he really is. <laughs> really, really, really encouraged to see Wanyama play as he did from the bench at Anfield and, and obviously the strike was the icing on the cake for me. was indeed. Jace, bringing you in. I mean, that Wanyama strike was timed at the speed of 236 miles per hour. I just wonder, Jace, how many Spurs fans <laughs> out there were saying pass rather than shoot when that ball came out to him because, Jace, to be fair, I don't think many of us expected him to hit it like he did. It was unbelievable with the laces. Well, I've just seen it timed on Sky at 63 miles oh, an hour, so I don't know where 236 okay. comes from. Oh, mate, well... I think, yeah. if, I think if you hit a football at 236, you'd, you'd burst the ball, mate. It, it felt like but, it, Jason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was kind of... It was as unexpected and as as just a bolt from the blue. It reminded me of two goals. It was obviously the, the Eric Edmund one at Anfield came yes. to mind mm. where, where we all thought, what's he doing here? And, and suddenly just unleashed a ball that went in. And then the kind of power and the corner it went in and the fact it was still going up when it went in reminded me a little bit of uh, Mabby Zayla with that, that famous goal at Leicester when, again, it was just mm. what, what on earth he lashed you one from there for and, yeah. and then it went. It was a cross between the, the two goals, but <laughs> I certainly don't think any of us expected uh, expected Wenyama to score one like that, that's for sure. But what a fantastic... And the bend, I think... It, you know, when you see it side on, you don't appreciate how much bend was in there. But uh, the whip that he got in it and the fact that Oxlade-Chamberlain was alongside him completely asleep and just saw him run past with, without making any attempt to, to stop him just made it that little bit sweeter as well. So it was a it was a Pochettino substitution, far performing far better than uh, the one of... Uh, Miracle Worker Klopp's substitutions, that's for sure. Oh, I want to bring it round to you. It's that time of the evening when we've got to discuss these penalties. Now, bearing in mind, broadcasters out there have about an hour to discuss them. We've got to sum these up, Paul, in a matter of minutes. So let me ask you quickly, um, the two penalties awarded to Tottenham, were they both penalties in your opinion? Yes, it's okay. quite simple. <laughs> they were penalties. I can't even see where the debate is coming from. As I say, we can all argue that mm. we don't like the law 
but Thor is what it is, and that's it. The, the ref's there, the linesman's there to implement the laws of the game. So if we're going to stop doing that, then wh- where are we going to go from here? What makes me laugh is last night you got Loro shouting on Match of the Day. Mm-hmm. We need VAR, we need VAR. <laughs> well, VAR, mate, would have given both penalties. So I can't quite understand what what all the fuss is about, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, and it's, it's funny you said it, Paul. Clear as day for me. Yeah. I mean, that's funny, because even Jamie Carragher, one of the Reds... Their biggest legend out there has both said there were penalties. Gary Neville, normally he's fairly impartial, as much as he's Man United, he hated Liverpool, even he said they're both penalties. I mean, Paul, what is it going for me? What are they salty about? You know, pardon that term. What, what, why, do you, why do they think they're not penalties? Is it just the fact they don't want to admit to the fact that Van Dijk, for example, cost them £75 million, and I think, like you said off air, he's hacking away at Lamella with a couple of minutes to go? Yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't actually work out their reasoning, to be quite honest. <laughs> They're claiming that Lamella's offside. I mean, it, it, it looks like he's you know, a tad offside. But at the end of the day, from the throwing, their six-foot-four defender fails to win the header. Yeah. He then hacks away at a geezer in the box. And luckily, you've got a lino who's done his job to the letter and got it spot on. Yes, indeed. And Kane's one for you, Paul. When you said that that's a penalty, do you think Kane in any way... Exaggerates that fall. Is it a case do you feel he has clipped him? I mean, even I think you said even after the game off, you mentioned the goalkeeper actually admitted to it, didn't you? Yeah, in his Sky post-match interview, he, mm. said he felt that he felt that he's caught him. So again, you know, <laughs> a striker running through on goal at pace, Harry Kane takes that ball round that keeper. He doesn't need to go down. Mm. If there's contact, then the keeper. There's no one to blame but himself, and the ref's going to give it every single time. There was no hesitation. I screamed penalty as soon as he went past the keeper. And yeah. Neville did, and everyone else did. It's only these deluded scouters that, uh, <laughs> that seem to think that he's all of a sudden the biggest diver in world football, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. Any striker in the world feeling a touch like that is going down in the box. Yeah, fair enough. And I've got to ask you, Paul, on the penalty when we got the first one. Was it just a formality, Paul, that he was up celebrating before he even came and put it away? Because it didn't even cross my mind, that's the Frankie off air, that we were going to miss that. I couldn't believe it, I've got to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's the worst one he's ever struck, isn't it? Mm. And, and it was, like, uh, unbelievable. I mean, you just don't see that from Harry. <laughs> you just do not see that. I mean, you can't even credit the keeper because it was straight, straight at, at him. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I will? I'll interject there. I'll credit Harry because he said after the game, he said, I've studied all Kane's penalties and in the big games, he tends to go down the middle, which he does. Yeah, he does. Fair. Arsenal, did he Arsenal away yet? He I did, think he yeah. stood up and guessed it right. So you've got to give him a bit of credit. But again, I do agree with Paul. Such a big penalty. Surely you'd lever it in the yeah. corner, wouldn't you? And, and usually Harry does. But maybe, mm. again, it, the, the nerves got to him a little bit and he thought the keeper's going to go and I'll put it down the middle and we win. But... Obviously, it wasn't meant to be. I've got to ask you, Fred, you must have been the same as us. You must have been already kind of think it's a formality celebrating he scored the goal I mean I couldn't believe he missed it it took a second Frank for me to believe it went you know he hit it straight at him I just could not believe Kane missed that well you, you, I'm guaranteeing he scores yeah, at the time in my head you? I'm thinking he's he's yeah. guaranteed to score we've won this we've won at Anfield and again I know Liverpool had the dominant first half but the context of the game should have really won um, it, it obviously a lot happened but 85th minute penalty 
again, the side that we've got, we're good at seeing games out through in front. We've got good game management, and um, we score that. We see the game out. We win, but it wasn't meant to be. And you can't can't moan at Harry, can you? No, you can't. <laughs> he's, he's immune well, from criticism. So no. um, it's just one of them ones where he's unlucky. He's missed it, and he's uh, again for him to retake the second one and. Barry, it shows what a man he is and what character he's got. Indeed. Did someone want to come in there quickly? I heard someone in the back. Anyone want to come in there? I, could, I can only think that maybe it was the fact he was on 99. A little bit of nerves, nerves Paul. Yeah, a little bit of nerves, Paul. And, mm. and he's, he's, in, he's at the top end. This is this is to win the game. Mm. We're four minutes from, from the end of the game. I can only think that's the only thing I can think of because you would you would trust him 99.9999 times right now. Jace, let me ask you then. Let's get your thoughts on that first penalty decision. For you, was it a penalty? Yeah. And I think we've had it explained by Dermot Gallagher. We've had it explained by the PGMOL. We've had it explained on Monday Night Football tonight. It's a penalty. I mean, there's a couple of parts to it, isn't there? You, you could say, why on earth are they arguing about it when he missed the penalty anyway? It's, 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 so it became totally irrelevant. We haven't won 2-1 or got a draw because of that penalty. It ended up having no consequence on the game. It's, it's missed. And the, the second thing is, you can blame linesmen and referees for as much as you want. The whole thing starts because Lovren is completely inept and, and missed his clearance and just sliced it. If, if Daya Lovren clears the ball properly, there's not even an incident to be oh, talking about, is yeah, there? That's very and, true. and so, you know, Liverpool's anger should be at Dejan Lovren more than anyone else. And then, as, as Carrier said on his TV, he catches him with his arm. I think, you know, the only the only bit that would concern me over the whole thing, I thought the linesman was brilliant. It, he he almost took control of the situation by explaining the rule to the, or the lawyer to the referee. My only concern was when John Moss said, when, when he asked him if he thought Lovren had touched or had played the ball, John Moss said, I don't know, I'm giving the penalty anyway. Yeah. That, that, to me, feels a bit of a guess. Mm. But the, the linesman, to, for the linesman to be criticised for explaining exactly the law to the referee exactly as he should have explained it is, is ridiculous. But as I say, at the end of the day, we missed the penalty. So, you know, move on. Get on with, get on with the rest of the game. Yeah. We're and, also, um, and guys, we're also forgetting that the first penalty should have been retaken anyway. Well, he's off, yeah, that's a very yeah. good point. Yeah, very good point. Well, yeah. I mean, that, I, I heard last week, we had a comment about VAR last week, and and uh, one of the things I said about VAR is, I hear people saying all the time that gets taken up by VAR and there's nobody in the stadium knows what's happening. Yesterday, there was no VAR. We lost minutes of that game through through pathetic arguing, and nobody in the stadium knew what <laughs> was happening. So what's the difference? Well, that's true. You know, if you don't mm. like VAR for those reasons, you've got exactly the same things happening without VAR. Yeah, okay. And if anything, and, and, and if anything, I'll tell you what wasn't a talking point, which should have been really, does Carrius have to go? Is that a clear well, goal-scoring opportunity? That's no, a because that's... He's re- maybe the angle's against him, but, you know... No, like, if... didn't, again, haven't they changed the law this year that if, if you make an attempt to win the ball... They won't send you off. Yeah, there's, there's a, there is a law change. There is but that. But they've done denying, that. It's denying a clear goal scoring. Thing. Yeah. He's he's, yeah, uh, yeah, they have changed the rule. But really, it's a clear goal scoring opportunity. Yeah, he, he's, he's gone round him. He's got an empty net on his score. weaker foot. But yeah, he's, he's going to score. Yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, that, that wasn't even a talking point. And I think it, it's it's actually it's funny to think that little old Spurs now 
they hate it when we get decision. Uh, it, whatever <laughs> everyone, happens, they hate it. Everyone likes everyone. Liverpool. It's not even it's Liverpool now. It's Arsenal fans. It's uh, it's all of them around us. So, I mean, it's great to see, I mean, from that perspective, that we are getting these decisions. And, Paul, I've got to ask you, do we have to give the referees an element of credit here? Because there's not normally a time, Paul. Let's be honest, I can't think any recent history that two penalties are given to an away side at Anfield. So, how much credit does the officials get for making those calls? The Lino is the bravest man in the country. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, you're you're what eighty six minutes in at uh, Anfield. Mm, yeah, and, and then to repeat it. Yeah. <laughs> in the ninety, in I don't know if he got out, how he got out of the stadium, but he should have left about midnight. There's been a clip, Paul. Have you seen? There's like a little fist pump, Paul. Have you seen it on Twitter? I don't know if you saw that going around. Was like, did you yeah, see anything about that, Paul? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's misconstrued because I think that the, the, the these refs they're a team. Mm. And when they feel that when he he was just thinking, oh, I've had a blinder there. Yeah, I've played yeah, yeah. A because I know I've got that spot on. Mm. And people then try and twist that to say, well, actually, no, he's saying he's a closet Spurs. <laughs> when he's obviously not. I mean, but he's he's thinking they're all going to be focusing on me. I'm the man. I've got that spot on. Yeah. And to be fair, like Jace has said, and like Frank said, I mean, everyone's discussed it. It's been ruled by so many panels out there and all the journalists and what have you. So the decisions were right. Two panels were given. And I've got to ask you, Paul, when they went and screwed up the other end for 2-1, I mean, was you not sort of thinking this is typical, typical Tottenham? You know, something's never changed with this club. Could you believe your eyes? I mean, it was a great goal from from Salah, but could we defend it better, Paul? Was you just <laughs> couldn't believe what you were seeing? <laughs> Well, I, I tweeted at the time that I had my very own Kevin Keegan moment. Do you remember when <laughs> yeah. he played Newcastle? Yeah. Know, and, he, and he sunk. Yeah. yeah. And he just sunk oh. across the uh, advertising hoarding. That was me yesterday. That's that, crazy. That, that was exactly me. I, I just, just, well, I just couldn't believe it. It's just, you're saying to yourself, how typical is that? Mm. That's Tottenham all over, isn't it? Yeah, was couldn't believe the ending. I mean, Frank, could you believe your eyes when you saw that going? I bet you was like all of us, just completely like Paul said, just sunk. I just thought, no, I was broken. I was, I was broken <laughs> after the, the performance. I mean, oh. could could Larice have caught that ball and not headed headed it out for a throw? That's a question to be asked. And in the box, I know you've got to be careful with a player like Salah, but we probably should be defending it better. But again, massive credit to Salah. I think he's yeah. a great player. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's, a, it's a great finish. He anticipates it well. Um, good balance. Um, and yeah, I mean, I couldn't see us getting back into the game. But the old Spurs would have plummeted before yeah. Poch came. And I think, although our record against the other big clubs away is pretty poor, I think that shows great character to, to keep going and, and keep probing. And um, credit to the team, as I say, before the game, you take a point. And um, mm. the, the drama, that's why we all love football. It's true. Um, moments mm. like that. I mean, I hated it for a second and I loved it again, Frank, I've got to be honest. Jace, I mean, mm. what a, what an ending to a game. I mean, could you believe it? You know, working that hard to get back in it, missing the penalty, then going and scoring. I mean, that, that was such a bitter pill to nearly swallow, Jace. Yeah, sadly, I could I could believe it. It's Anfield and, you <laughs> and know, we've only won it six times in, in 106 years mm. or whatever. Yeah. You know, there's been a number of times in, in grounds like that. I can remember going there... A few years ago, when Mike, I think it was Michael Owen got a dying seconds penalty to, uh, I think Dean Richards had scored that day, if I remember rightly. And I can't remember if that won them the game or it got them a point or something like that. And you just think, oh, here we go again. But I, I think you're right. You, you've got to give Salah great credit. I mean, he's been doing that to defences up and down the country 
most of the season. Could you defend it better? Yeah, but you can defend every goal better. You know, I'm sure Liverpool will say we should have defended Victor Wanyama's goal better. And I think if if Deli Ali scores that goal or or Christian Eriksen scores it, we don't even query the the fact that the opposition could defend it. I think the only thing that that I think goes against us a little bit is when you see him attack. I think it's Deli Ali and Davis at the start of that. The ball kind of flicks. I think it might even brush one of uh, um, Deli Ali's hand. And for that split second, as it as it drops with that ricochet, both Deli Ali and and Ben Davis lose lose sight of where the ball is. And and at Salah's speed, you know, point ten of a second or whatever, that makes a huge difference to him. And then Yang gambles on him going one way. And, and we've said how brilliant Jan's been, but I think you just have to give him yeah. great credit and think, look, it's a fantastic goal. And, and you know, at the end of a game, 90-odd minutes into it, players are, players are tired, they've been, they've been mentally knackered, you're physically knackered, and, and you can get mistakes come late in a game. But I, I think you've got to give him more credit than, than having a real go at us. Yeah, I think that's more than fair. I mean, and then minutes later, coming back round here, Paul, I mean, absolute madness. Lamella managed to sandwich himself in between both Liverpool defenders. Like you said, Van Dijk, for whatever reason, feels the need to, to lash out, regardless of whatever camera angle you want to look at, guys, out there. To me, it's a blatant penalty, like we've all said on this show. I mean, Paul, I'll ask you firstly, do we have to say fair play to Lamella for really turning that game on its head so quick to find the space and use the ball? You know, it's a nightmare for defenders. Does he deserve a bit of credit there, Paul, for making that a penalty? Oh, most definitely, yeah. I mean, we were discussing off-air about... Mm about Eric. Yeah. Um, he's a bit of a strange phenomenon. <laughs> um, there is a talent there. When he when he's on it, he's really good. Mm. But um, you do feel sometimes with him he's not always he's not always on it or at it. Uh, but yesterday no he was superb yesterday. He came on and he looked up for it and he caused them problems. Do you think, Paul, I've got to ask you, do you think he's going to be more than just this impact player we've seen off the bench? Because like you said there, we've seen glimmers. I mean, is there still a Spurs career, Paul? How do, how do you see it now? Because, you know, he's out for a year. And it's fun to say, in that year, you know, being out still, we still managed to assist seven goals despite being out. I mean, that's incredible in itself. I mean, what, what's the future hold for him, Paul? Well, I think they basically need to sort out his contract situation. He has 18 months to go, I mm. think, uh... And they have a problem with him now because you can't allow him to get to the summer with a year left. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not proved himself fitness-wise yet to, if you want, deserve a new deal. But if the club are going to protect their interest, then they're going to have to have to give him a renewal and they're going to have to extend his contract, if nothing else, but to protect the fee. Yeah. And I mean, then hope, yeah. hopefully he can get his head straight. He's had a lot of personal problems which are well documented. And if he does, there's a, there's definitely a player in there. When he was at Roma, he was phenomenal coming inside and playing the number 10 role. Mm. Whether he can get that at Tottenham, I'm not so sure. I mean, it'd be great, wouldn't it? I mean, having the likes of him and Mora, you know, another like, fast player with creative. So, be interested to see what the what the uh, future does hold for him. Frankie, I've got to ask you. I know Alan Gilzean sent a question. Thank you, Gilly. He asked also about Lamella. I mean, he says his contribution to control the last 20 to 25 minutes of that game. You know, we got players free in possession in space between their mid and back line. Much better once he came on. And he also said, I never genuinely doubted Harry wouldn't score the second pen. I mean, I've got to ask you, Frankie, Lamella... He did come on and change the game. What do you think of his contribution? 
Um, I agree with Paul. He's, he's been a bit of an enigma. In mm. flashes, we've seen what he's capable of. Um, technically, he's a top player. Um, he's got a lot of ability, but he's had a lot of issues, off-field problems. Um, like we all know in sport, psychology's a lot of it. Yeah. Um, and he's, he, I mean, what happened to his brother, obviously, and the injury. Um, he's had it really tough. But I think, I mean, he's, Potch seems to like him. I think he's shown good character to get through these difficult periods. I'm not sure if he's ever going to be a, a regular starter in that side again with the players that we've got now. But it, it, it's a target for him, isn't it? To, to break in there and, and get a run of games. Um, he's certainly a good option off the bench. I really do think that. We haven't really got anyone else to come off the bench who plays like him. Um, but he's got to prove to the manager, the club and us fans that he can do it. Um, he's not injury prone. He was worth the, the fee and all the rest of it. But either way, again, I agree with Paul. I think they'll sign there, extend his contract to protect their investment. We paid a lot of money for him. Um, yes, but going back gonna... on, sorry, going back on Go his on. contract. Sorry, I believe I was wrong there. I think he's actually got till 2020. Oh, but, yeah, but so, even, even still, Paul, you say it's 2020. Spurs just, generally will still look to extend it, you the, think. Come the summer, it'll be two years. And, yeah. and Levy will start to worry then mm. about the, 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 the potential financial return. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, we have to consider that. We can't just let him go aimlessly into 18 months and a year. I mean, we're not Arsenal. <laughs> I mean, I've, got, <laughs> I've got to ask you, Frank, back to you then. So do you think he's re- is he worth extending? Because we've seen glimmers, haven't we, like Paul said. I mean, would you still look to extend his contract? Because to be fair, Frank, we're not going to get the fee we, we certainly bought, we shelled out for, are we? And, and we're not going to go and spend a fortune on another player in that role. No, um, I think that's, that's a, a fact. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So I think he, I think he will stick with him. Um, as I said, I think Poch likes him. I think to come to a country like this, I know he played in Italy before, but culturally it's so different to Italy and Argentina. To come here and have the problems he's had, um, and still, you know, get back. Um, he, he looks up for it. He looks up for it. Certainly, when he came on yesterday, um, I think it shows he's got a bit of character about him. But he's now got to do his talking on the pitch. Um, obviously, we'd all like to see more from him with the potential he showed at Roma. Um, if it was up to me personally, I suppose you judge him between now and May. Um, again, Daniel Levy's not going to let him go into next season with at the end of that season a year left and if he has a bad season what do they then do because his stock falls and then he's down to a year left on his contract so he's got for me and, and until May um, certainly in the owner's eyes to prove what he can do and um, it's up to him it's, it's, again it's all it's all in his hands yeah. he's, you know he's going to get opportunities to play we've got a lot of games coming up and um, it's how he takes those opportunities. Yeah, I agree with me. I've got to say, back on your point there, we've got a lot of games coming up. I mean, coming around to you, Jace, we've got to try and wrap this up. There's so much to talk about in this game. It's unreal. But Harry Kane, after the game, Jace, Pochettino said, taking that penalty in front of the cop, he's one of the best strikers. He is so calm to score 100 Premier League goals. You need balls. Big balls. He's now scored 100 goals, Jace, in just 141 appearances. How much do we give Crane the credit, the bottle, for stepping up and putting away to grab us a really, really deserved point? I think what I liked about it was that it didn't appear to be... You could see in the background he went straight to the ball yeah. to pick it up. No so there was obviously yep. no, mm. no hesitation or doubts in his mind he was going to take it. And I think I'd also say that that's a strength for the whole team because we've seen... We've seen, I mean, Liverpool last week, uh, Huddersfield, Salah picked the ball up when James Milner wanted to take it and they had a little spat on the penalty spot. And we saw last year, didn't we, Manchester City at home where Lamella took the penalty and him and Sonny were having an argument about <laughs> who to take it. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think, you know, it shows shows how, how confident the rest of the team were. There was no 
no thought of Ericsson coming up to him and asking him, do you want me to take this one? It was just every single person on that field allowed him to pick the ball up. Nobody tried to stop him. There was no interference from anyone. So his mind was completely clear. Right, I'll, I'll, I'll do what I've done, you know, for the last four seasons. And, and I, I mean, he's, he's, what, he's missed now three penalties. So, you know, it's not exactly a big crime, is it, to miss one? I, I, I think other than Matt Letizia, everyone's missed penalties in their time. Mm. So, um, you know, and, and it's just a, a really cool finish. And I, I just couldn't understand why, why they were arguing about it in the first place. And just delighted that Jurgen Klopp's 70-yard sprint was, was totally, in, you know, useless doing. I think that answers the question from Sam who sent one in. So I hope that sums it up. That's what Jason thinks of that. Jason, I want to sit you for a second. We've got so well, much to cover. Said, I mean, mm. Klopp, Klopp said, didn't he, that he thought the, the linesman was, was trying to draw attention to himself with his decision because it was so late in the game. The only person trying to draw his attention to himself is Jurgen Klopp with his 70-yard dash towards the cop that says, <laughs> look at me, aren't I a passionate Liverpool fan? Mm. I mean, the bloke's a a prize prick that's what he is and it, and it's as simple as that and he didn't know the rules or the laws of the game he behaves like a a complete clown and well there's there's not a lot much much more i can say about the idiot he's so, not that classy is he no not at all i was gonna say jay say you really feel don't hold back oh dear oh dear <laughs> Paul, I mean, I couldn't believe, like Jason said there, I mean, the celebrations, you know, does that cheat him anything? You know, a lot of people moan at Mourinho for not being animated, but sometimes, you know, in a game like that, maybe it's sometimes best to be a bit more reserved. Oh, partially the way, doesn't he? With, oh, he does. With regards to how respectful he is of mm. the opposition and everyone else. and He has a lot rougher hand handed to him than they do, and yet he still remains dignified. Uh, he's just a class act, isn't he? Yes, indeed. But at least Klopp got his teeth done. That's one. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's what the money. That's what the uh, the money is getting him for. I mean, Frank, like you said, is a different kind of class with Pochettino as well. I mean, some of the scenes, it's just embarrassing, isn't it, Frank? There, I mean, applauding. It the was embarrassing. And, and Do you know what I mean? It was. It, it was embarrassing. I mean, the way that he, he spoke about the officials, if they got yep. the decisions wrong and it cost him two points, then yeah, exactly. fair enough. You, 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 what you said is right, but. He was wrong. He made himself look an idiot. It's very unlike Poch as well to be so animated with a, a goal that snatches a point yeah, or a winner. Almost like making a point, you could wasn't tell, it? Yeah. Mm. yeah, it was to make a point because mm. he does it a lot, Klopp, and he moans a lot. I mean, when we get a rough end of the stick, Poch never moans. Um, he, he doesn't. He, he's always dignified. He's always very classy and respectful. And I just think that Jurgen Klopp's got to slow himself down because I, I truly think he tries to take the onus away from his own team's problems. Yep. Defensively, they have got a lot of those. Mm. And the fact that his team were in such a... I mean, we talk about the, the position we were in with that penalty, the first one. His team had the game won. Yeah. And and yeah. then his team going throw it away. Obviously, he's frustrated, but he, you know, he looked like an idiot. And uh, yeah, all the memes about him still running and all that, <laughs> I think he's brilliant because uh, he did show himself up and he, he does need to be a bit more respectful, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Well with, I think as well with, with Pochettino at the end, we don't often see Poch come straight onto the pitch. He usually lets the the players take take the applause, and he waits on the side for them, didn't he? But he made a he went straight onto the pitch, straight onto the referee. He probably sensed that's exactly where Klopp was going to go. Well, he dragged him he away, Jason, sure didn't he? he? I don't know if you saw that. He dragged he dragged Klopp away from one point of the officials, and we say, yeah, leave it. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he knew he knew where he was going, and he he almost he almost looked like he gave Klopp a, a quick. <laughs> a quick smack round the chops, didn't it? <laughs> the way he put his arm round him, I thought there's a little bit more in that. But no, he made a point of telling the referee 
you know, how brave he'd been and the, the fact that he'd made the correct decisions. And, and that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the key thing, as, as we just said, that they were the correct decisions. Yeah. And the, and the fact this referee can't make, a uh, linesman shouldn't make one so late in the game. Where's the law book that says a linesman can't make a decision after 85 minutes or something? It's, it's, Do you know what's just, amazing as well there, Jace? The fact that uh, the, the, the linesman and the referee work as a team and people are criticising the fact that the referee then went to the linesman and overall his yeah. decision. That's yeah. what he's yeah. there for. It's his job. Yeah. It's mental. And the media backlash, I mean, it's a shame really because the referee and the lino, they, they work really well together. They got the decision spot on and it's just pathetic. Yeah. It really exactly. is. And, and, you know, if there's one ground that should be used to injury time penalties at the cop end, it is Anfield, isn't it? Let's be fair. How many have they got down the years mm. that might have been a bit soft or something? But, you know, all those get forgotten, don't they? Yeah. I must ask you, Jace, so much time to try and we've got to try and fill here. I mean, running out of it. I mean, but I want to ask you, Jace, I know you're in awe of Ben Davis's performance yesterday. You wanted to make a point in saying it. I mean, Ben Davis created more chances than any other player yesterday. I think it's well worth saying, in terms of Kane's 100 goals, um, Trippier and Davis have three times more assists for Kane's 100 Premier League goals than Walker and Rose. I thought that was an interesting stat. I mean, what did you make of the fullbacks <laughs> yesterday, Jace? A big decision to pick these two, bearing in mind what happened last season up at Anfield. I think, you know, the Davis haters will have a, a pop at him for the goal that he concedes right at the end. But I think over the two games, when when I kept reading in the build-up to Wednesday night and the build-up to Saturday, oh, Ben Davis, he's got no pace. He's going to get ripped to pieces by Martial. And then Saturday, he's going to get ripped to pieces by Salah. You know, those things didn't happen. And Ben Davis, I thought, has, has had a really good week. Yes, he could do better with the goal. But as we said, we've praised Yan all season and Yan could do better with the goal. Adele Ali could do better with the goal and Hugo could do better with possibly. But uh, so I'm sure that the critics will single him out. But I thought over those two games when apparently his biggest weakness was going to be ruthlessly exposed, it wasn't really. And I think it's it's to his credit that he's come out of the week in the in the position that he has. Yeah, I mean, like I say, full-backs can't really fault them in terms of that performance against Liverpool. Um, I want to bring it round to you, Paul, and ask you about Jan Vertonghen. I mean, it's great to kind of get a new voice on the show because, I mean, it's someone else to kind of lavish praise on Jan in what's been an amazing season. And, Paul, obviously a lot is speaking, you speak about Toby Adeviro being Tottenham's, you know, diamond of a defender. We can't wait for him to come back. Just how good has Jan been in terms of consistency, Paul, this season? It's been phenomenal this season. Uh, I had a little go at him yesterday because I felt he was helping Sanchez enough first half. I mm. thought that he's the experienced man. He needs to pull him, have a word in his ear and just say, look, calm down, son. You know. Um, but he's just majestic. And he's nine, nine times out of ten, he's yeah. just majestic. And another one deserving of a new contract as a reward for being a loyal player, for one, and the consistency level. Yeah. I've got to ask you, Paul, I don't want to spark off any rumours, but are you amazed that no club has looked at him? You know, Toby's the one that's all given all the um, transfer stories and the links away. Are you amazed, Paul, that the Tongan isn't one that doesn't seem to get linked away every window when the when the transfer window opens? Yeah, it's a fair point. I think Jan himself comes across as being very happy at Tottenham, very mm. settled. He's now like um, one of the, like I say, one of the most senior players there. And he's, uh, what is he now, he's, 29, is he? 29, 28, yeah. Yeah, so maybe maybe there's clubs that are looking at younger younger players, but um, yeah, they can stay away. Cause he, <laughs> he, he's been superb, and like I say, he'd be right up there on the list of my renewals. 
Oh yeah, most certainly him and Sonny for me, Ericsson. I mean, there's so many that yeah, oh, he, yeah exactly. Yeah, half the squad are deserving. Yeah, he's got he's got to sort those out, Mr. Levy. Got to sort them out if you're listening. I wonder if you are. Um, I've got to ask you, Frankie, as well. Dembele, I mean, third start in eight days, which is really encouraging, Frankie. I mean, ninety percent passing accuracy, a hundred percent take ons completed, a hundred percent tackles won. Are we seeing, Frank, the recapturing of his best form, especially in that second half against? Liverpool at the weekend. We are at the moment, but it's just how long is it going to last? And I think his biggest problem is is is, is his injury record. I yeah. mean, the, the player that we've had the last two seasons, this season he's been so disrupted. And I, I think due to the way he plays the game, if you remember, he got that injury against Palace where Punch trod on his ankle as he moved. Right, yeah, And yeah. that really set him back because apparently he still plays with pain in his foot. But I think with the way that he plays, because he's such a big guy, but he's actually so nimble and he's twisty and turny, I think that goes against him sometimes with the injuries and, and the nickels he gets. But if Moussa Dembele, if you could categorically say that this guy is going to give you in the league 30 plus games a season and he's going to perform to the level that we all know he's well, he's performed at this last week, then you don't need a new centre midfielder. But I think the, the questions arise in that centre midfield position is how long, how many games you get out of Dembele in the, in the centre mm-hmm. midfield now. Is he ever going to recover and, and go on, you know a run of a season with 30-plus games in the league. We don't know. Um, we hope so. But, yeah, you're right. In the form that he's been in, back to his best, there's not many others like it in the league. And it uh, can only be a good thing if he stays injury-free um, and and plays for the rest of the season at this level. Um, I think that will show where we finish in the league. I think that's massive for us. Uh, because, yeah, he's keep. So, Jase, looking ahead to Newport, firstly which is obviously this coming Wednesday. I mean, loads of questions about what kind of team we're going to play. Jase, first, I think it's worth saying on Newport, since we've last played them, they've lost both of their league games. That probably won't mean anything at all because it's a cup game. All that goes out the window. They're coming to Wembley. What kind of game are you expecting, Jase, on Wednesday night? And what kind of team do you expect from Tottenham to field? It's really hard to to know which team is going to pick because I think you would have presumed that Wanyama will try and get 90 minutes into his legs. Um, even though he did come on at Anfield, you think he needs 90 minutes if he's to be really available for selection in that Arsenal game. Do we see the debut of Lucas Moura, despite the fact he hasn't had a lot of uh, a lot of football? You know, will he will he get a start or does he come on with half an hour to go or something? I suspect he might do that. Will Danny Rose come back in? Is, is Danny Rose fit to return and is Toby fit to return to get mm. some to, some game time? So I think. You know, they're almost the keys on the selection. I think it's it's almost an injury-based and returning from injury-based team sheet than a, than a genuine rotation scene. I think if you can get all those players into the team, it will be fantastic. But if you do bring in three or four, the way you're still not 100% sure of their fitness, you better make sure you've got three or, three or four also out there that, that you are 100% confident in can do the job. So be interesting to see if he goes Lorente rather than Kane again, doesn't it? Yeah, or in place of Kane. But, um, you know, it, it, in any case, I think, you know, the, the first game was a, was a real question of attitude and desire. And I think if hopefully they've learned that and whichever side that we pick at Wembley against Newport, if the attitude is right, then you should go and win the game and you should win it comfortably. Yeah, I agree. And come around to you, Paul, in terms of the FA Cup. Listen, just want to ask you, Paul, where, what's your stance on it? I mean, have you come to the point where this team need to win something more than a top four finish, or are both of them, you know, as imperative as each other, Paul? Well, yeah, they're both as important as, as each other, mate. I mean, yeah, the FA Cup, we we could win that. 
and I, I, I hopefully, I mean, obviously on Wednesday you can afford to take a couple of uh, liabilities and, and, and rest a few, but mm. I still think we, we need to take this competition very seriously. Okay, I mean, I'd, take, I'd even take the League Cup seriously, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, the, the League Cup, you win four games, you win the, you win the semi final. Yeah. And it's all over in February, so I don't, I don't really get that, that notion that we should treat the League Cup like it's some, you know, nonsense competition that, that, is a, that is beneath us, because it certainly isn't in my opinion. No cup is beneath us. We do need to ruin silverware. If we want to keep these players, they want to win trophies. Yeah, that's the all and end all of it. When a footballer looks back on his career, he wants to know what he's won. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I've got to ask you, Paul. Then. So bearing in mind we only have the three days recovery rest between Newport and Arsenal, when you mentioned there is going to potentially tweak the squad, just how much yeah. do you tweak it, Paul? I mean, how many changes are we looking at in comparison to the team that faced Liverpool at the weekend? Yeah, well, he can't play uh, Mora because he wasn't registered in time. Right. Okay. Um, but. You would imagine he'll bring in five foot uh, centre back. Mm. Um, be nice to see Harry Winks have a have a have a game because yeah. he, he he needs ninety minutes. Um, maybe he'll go Winks on the armour. Could be yeah, it's an option. Lorente, um, Paul, what do you reckon? Would you would you throw him into this one? Because you think if you ain't going to get games in these <laughs> in these matches, when is he ever going to play, Paul? Well, I, I think yeah. If you can't play him against Newport at home at Wembley, mm. um, then he's not going to—he's not going to play, is he? You know what I mean? You've got to be—you've got to be picking him for that game. You need Harry fully firing for the weekend. So yeah, I think Lorient is one of those that you can bring in. Um, Sissoko will probably start as well, I suppose. The fullbacks would be interesting. Yeah, you'd imagine that that this time he'd rest. Trippier and Davis. So, yeah, there'll be plenty of changes, I'd imagine. I wouldn't like to predict the lineup. that's for sure. No, I mean, but the thing you say about the fullbacks there, I mean, Rose needs minutes, doesn't he, Paul, if he's going to get back to any 100%. aspect of fitness? 100%. And Danny now needs to get his head down because I don't think he's going to get a move in the summer. OK. Are so, you, oh, really? You generally think that? No, I think United have gone cold on him. Yeah. Um, the, the injury, quite perversely... It might have done Tottenham a favour <laughs> because um, he's now got to get his head straight, get his head down, and and concentrate on getting back as the first team choice. Do you think, though, Paul? You say that. Do you think we'll ever see the commitment that Danny showed us in that you know that, that season where I mean it reminds me you know when he was at his peak that goal against Swansea where we turned that game on its head. Are we going to see that commitment again from Danny? Do you think after the words he said the summer before? Yeah, I mean I don't know about the other guys, but I personally didn't have any real problem with what he said I mean yeah misguided perhaps to say it out loud but yeah. was it was was it overplayed by by the Spurs fans the reaction was a bit uh, ridiculous to be quite honest in my opinion mm. um, you know he's cracking on with his career he wants he wants to obviously win things which they all do and he felt that, that Spurs weren't showing as much of a desire to do that as he perhaps was but hopefully that can all be addressed. He can get his head down, realise that this is as good as it's going to get for him and get back to the Danny Rose we know because he is a quality, quality fullback. Yeah, I like you said when he says as good as going to get, Paul. I mean, let's be fair. I mean, up until last season before, we were going for the title. We are in the Champions League. God, it's not a bad club to play for, is it? 
No, and like I say, I think I think that he's quite a forthright individual. Mm. So, you know, he's not he's not backwards in coming forward. And I think that you have to just have to accept that everyone's different. Some people um, are certainly more forthright than others, and he's definitely one of those characters. Yeah, I think that's uh, yeah, I think that's absolutely spot on. I mean, Frank, bringing you in, then let's ask you about this Newport game. Um, Question from Zoe Pearson. She asked, does um, does the panel, let's ask you, Frank, do you think Tubby may start against Newport or do you think we might wait to unleash him for Arsenal at the weekend? Who? who? Toby, Toby Adeverald, what do you think? Toby, um, I think personally, with the momentum and the mm. match sharpness, I think he, against Arsenal, sticks with the 11 for the last two games. Really? I, okay. I truly believe That's that. Okay. So I believe this game against Newport should be the coming back games for Rose, Toby Alderweireld, Winkshire play, Sissoko... All the players that aren't going to start against Arsenal should get a run out. Okay. And I, I'm, I'm in agreement with the fact that if Laurent A doesn't play 90 minutes, then what was the point in signing him? Why didn't we keep Janssen? Mm. Um, uh, Harry Kane can't step on that pitch on Wednesday. He can't. And I think whatever team we put out, um, the leveller for them, obviously the effort and all the rest of it was admirable, but the leveller for them was their pitch. Now on Wembley, on that pitch, we'll outplay them. I can't yeah, see them getting near us because the quality will just, the golfing quality will be too big. And um, it's a good chance for the likes of Lorente. I mean, to get a couple of goals, maybe get his confidence up where he's not been playing. And, um, yeah, you'd play Lamella. You'd start, I would personally, Lamella, Lorente, Toby, uh, Rose, Soko, Winks, all the players we've mentioned um, play for me. And fourth plays at centre-back. The question is, um, who's he got in mind for the North London derby and, and how does that affect his team? But um, his team selection. But, yeah, the, the likes of Harry Kane, he can't be anywhere near that pitch on Wednesday. He needs a nice week off. He's played a lot of football recently, and we need him sharp as a razor for, for Saturday. Yeah, we do indeed. It's a nice little segue there, Frank, you've given us into Arsenal. Let me stick with you then, just to kind of get some thoughts for you on this one. I mean, it's always a big game, Frank. The biggest, you'd probably argue, away from home for us. Are you nervous already, and how do you see it going? I'm very nervous. <laughs> um, I went to went to the one at the Emirates, and if you remember, I predicted us to win because we were in better form coming into that did, game. Yeah, but to be fair, mm. to be fair, Arsenal's home form's been brilliant, but their away form hasn't. I oh. know they've got this record at Wembley, so that's the thing that unnerves me: the fact yeah. that they always play well there. But this isn't a neutral game. It's going to be. I mean, the atmospheres at Wembley this season have been abject to say the least in most games. But the Madrid game, the Dortmund game, even the Man United yeah, game. Yeah. All the big games, yep. the crowd has got so up for, and it's going to be a wall of noise from us. Um, and we've got such a good record against them at home. I'll stick my neck out again, and I'm very, very confident. Um, very, very confident, regardless of their new signings. And I think I can't see anything but a Spurs win. Okay. And I hope that doesn't come back to bite me, but I'm very, very confident with this game. Uh, maybe more confident than I should be. There you but, go. Um, it's always yeah, the Spurs win. way, though, Frank. Always the Spurs way to come into these games. <laughs> confident. Our home record's been brilliant. We've lost it, yeah. one to Chelsea in the league. It's, yeah, um, that's very... Arsenal yeah. will come out and attack us. I think that'll play into our hands. Mm. Um, it, it won't be, the, it won't be a 2-3-4-0 uh, you know, or whatever, but it'll be a tight game, but a Spurs win, I'm sure. OK, fingers crossed. Um, but before I go on to Paul, Jace, we're going to cover Arsenal in depth later in the week. So let me ask yeah. you about Newport. Um, give us your prediction for that one. I know you haven't seen the line-ups, but give us your thoughts on that one very quickly. I'll go for a 4-0 win to Tottenham. 4-0 win. Okay. That would be a nice yeah. way to go into the Arsenal game for sure, for sure. We're going to speak again Wednesday, Jace, and obviously we'll talk in a second. Um, let me bring it around to you, Paul, then. So I've got to be honest with you, Paul, from this Arsenal game perspective. I mean, I was a lot more confident before the window shut that we were going to be OK against them. But, I mean, seeing Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan come in, I'll be honest with you, I'm more fearful now 
than I was when Sanchez was there. I don't know what your thoughts are, Paul, about going into this one. They could be bottom of the league and we'd be fearful. <laughs> That's true. So, mm. That's true. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's our So mm, yeah. it doesn't matter about form or anything like that. It goes out the window. We have to start fast. Yeah. When Tottenham start fast, they, no one can stop them. That's true. The United game, Liverpool game, it's all about how we start for us. And Arsenal's away record is um, iffy. It's so, atrocious. Yeah, it's, yeah, if we can hit them early, then I think Spurs could run out quite comfortable winning. Really? God, that'd be nice. Cut a nice early goal, settle us down. But it's, do you, I mean, how do you see it, Paul? Can you see us? Can you see us winning? That's what I want to ask you, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course I can see us winning. Yeah, but with Tottenham, you can see every eventuality. Well, that's true. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably, I'm so, I'm more. I'm confident with that game. I fear for us. So, yeah, I'm confident about the weekend. Okay. So, let's get me get a cut prediction between you, Paul, then. So, give us a prediction for Newport and Arsenal. What are you going to give us, Paul? Um, I think Newport will go 3 0. Okay. And 3 1 win. There you go. See, Paul O'Keefe, the voice of reason. So when he says it, you've got to listen to him. 3-1 up, 3-1 <laughs> to Spurs against Arsenal. You heard it here first. That, that'll come back to fight me on the oh, that, I'm sure, Paul, none of your followers on Twitter will remind you. There's only how many thousand? <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be a crack one. Frank, I didn't get a prediction from you for Newport. Give us one before we uh, sum this up. Oh, that would be a comfortable 3 or 4 nil win. I'm okay. pretty confident whatever team goes out. Um, I can see it being a stroll in the park, but... I'm not going to give a score for the Arsenal game after last time, but uh, okay. a, a Spurs win. Again, I get your points about Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan, and mm. obviously he's probably given the club a lift, but at Wembley, as Paul said, if we start fast at Wembley, no one can live with us. Um, I'm pretty confident players won't need motivating for this one. And... Um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll win, but I'm not going to give a score. I'm just going to say Spurs win. That's fair enough. I think that's more than enough to sit your neck out the line. I mean, I'm so excited to the game. I'm going to be there at the weekend. I've been absolutely excited, but at the same time, petrified. It's Spurs Arsenal. I don't know how anyone can enjoy these games. You only enjoy them when they're over, once the result has gone your way. Honestly, let me just firstly say, um, Jace, great to have you back on the show. And we're going to speak, Jace, on Thursday night after Newport. So we're going to do a big North London derby preview. Yep, looking forward to it, mate. Lovely. And I've got to say, Frank, great to have you back on the show. Really enjoyed having you tonight. Pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me back. Love you. I'm sure we'll get you back on soon. And Paul, thank you so much for making your debut tonight. We've really enjoyed having you. Great to finally get you on. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Lovely. Well, like I say, really, really enjoyed it. Guys, I'm sorry I haven't got through all your questions. There's been so many this week. I really do appreciate every single one. Um, guys, as always, you can get in touch with the show on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, as mentioned. Guys, if you like what you hear on the show, please be free to leave us a review on iTunes. Honestly, we love the interaction with you guys. Have a fantastic week. Hopefully on the back of another Spurs win going into Arsenal. We'll be back on Thursday night discussing the Northport game and the build-up to Arsenal. And as always, come on you Spurs! Behind it now with Ericsson, pushed out by Harris. In comes Wanyama! Oh, there is the ball from the blue. Victor Wanyama sent on and within seconds crashing the ball into the Liverpool net. Here he goes and he scores! It is 2-2. And Harry Kane does join the 100 club. But that's almost academic. High pressure. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.